Well, hey, welcome everybody to is here, everyone who is here live in the room, everyone who is watching us online right now, everybody at our sites and venues. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Matt, and sorry, I was drinking water and now I have to burp, which is really awkward when you have a microphone on you. So my, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and um, I want to take a minute before we jump into the message just to talk to any of us who are watching and a part of what's going on right now who consider Black Hawk to be your church home. This is the place that you regularly attend. You get, you get mail from us and email and publications, different things like that. You're connected in. Because if you're in that category, you're actually going to get tomorrow, you're going to get uh, an email from me talking about ways that, um, that I'd love to challenge us to be able to lock arms and, and pull hard towards the end of this year in December. And, uh, and so first off, um, to all of you who you're connected in here, you give on a regular basis, you serve on a regular basis, you are in the game with us. Thank you so much for what it is that you do. It, it's honestly, it's your generosity in the way that you give financially, in the way that you serve in different ways that really help our church to be able to function as a church, as the community together. And, uh, and for those of you who you call Blackhawk Church your home, I just want to challenge you to take a look at getting in the game with us. If, if you've never given financially, would you consider doing that at this time? Look, this is the time of year where for so many of us, we're going to get all kinds of asks from different organizations and nonprofits and ministries and things like that. And I just want you, as you're prayerfully considering those things at the end of the year, if you think of Blackhawk Church as your home, I just want to challenge you to have Blackhawk in that list for some of you to put that at the top of your list um, as a place where you might look at giving generously at this particular time. If you've never been in the game with us financially, would you just consider uh, giving to us in some way as we move into this Christmas season? If, if you've given occasionally and you're really in the game, would you consider getting on a pattern of giving, um, your giving being reoccurring? That's my wife and I, what we do. We're set up online uh, just where our giving, it just happens and it happens on a regular basis. And uh, there's, because there's something really powerful that happens when we do that, especially coming into a season like this, when we pull hard after the heart of God, man, God just works in, in big ways. I always get excited about this season. You know, in the coming weeks, you're going to hear more about uh, um, Advent Conspiracy. And Advent Conspiracy is something that we've done on a regular basis for years. And we just see the generosity of our church reaching our city during this holiday season in just huge ways. We have different events that happen at these times, like study day, where we just get, if, if you've never been here at Brader Way for a study day, you got to come check it out, where we just see hundreds of college students who are stressed out over finals, and we just get a chance to practically love them and serve them during this time. And then with our crazy amounts of Christmas services that will be happening in the last few days leading up to Christmas and the amount of people who come through our doors. And, uh, and so I just want to put that out there. You would just consider in this time really hopping in the game with us as we just continue to pray for what it is that God's going to do in this season. So I'd like to take a minute for us as a church just to be able to pray that direction right now. All sites, all venues online. Let's take a minute to pray together. So would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you so much for the way that you just continue to use our church. Thanks for the role that Blackhawk has played, I know, in my life and Rachel, my wife's life, and our, our girls 
Like you've transformed our lives because of this place. I pray, Father, as we move into this holiday season, this Christmas season that we head into, as we see more people who come to kind of check things out, God, we just ask that by your spirit, you would be working in the lives of people. Thanks so much for calling us to be a part of your big vision of what you're doing in the world. Would you help us as a local church to be able to lock arms and run after your heart in particular in this season? So we give that to you. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God, now as we take time to open your word, I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, you would do a work in all of us. We're all coming in from different places with different things going on in our lives. Would you open our hearts and our minds to your word that we would walk away from this place with a deeper understanding of who you are and the way you want to work in our lives. So we give that to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people together said, amen. amen. All right. So as we, uh, as we, we start off this morning, I, I, I want to ask a question. Um, this, is an, this is a participatory thing, all sites, all venues. How many of you know, raise your hands, how many of you know what this is right here? So I, I need to hold it up so people online can see. It's a little bit of a dumb question because it says actually right on the cover. It's like, how difficult is that? This is, this is a passport and this is actually my passport. So inside um, is my information and <laughs> my picture. So you want to see my picture? Because passport pictures are always amazing, right? So here we go right there. Look at that. You're laughing. That hurts my feelings. So I look at that and I go, okay, that, it could be worse. I mean, I'm probably not going to put it on a Christmas card, but I mean, it could be a worse picture. But in that, there's all kinds of information blacked out. But the, the one thing that shows is the country where I am a citizen of. This says that I am a citizen of the United States. And I use this when I travel outside the country so that when I head to another country, they see where my citizenship lies. And, uh, and then when I come back to the United States, they see I'm actually a citizen of this place. And I've always been a citizen of the United States. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she has a passport and um, hers says citizen of the United States, but it's only over the last few years that it says that. You see, um, my wife and, and her family, they moved to uh, actually to Madison from England a long time ago, back when she was six weeks old. So she spent six weeks in England where she was a citizen and then they moved here. Their, their plan was just to stay here for a few years, but that plan sort of changed year by year. It just continued to lengthen. And finally, Rachel, after 40 plus years was like, eh, maybe I should make this official with the USA. And, uh, and so she went through the process of becoming a U.S. citizen. The interesting thing was this, all, this process ended up happening during COVID. And so um, we had always heard of this great ceremony that takes place where, where you become a citizen, where you get dressed up and you get to go. It was during COVID. So basically we drove to Milwaukee for the final stage and I dropped her off at a courthouse, drove to a Starbucks. And after 10 minutes, she called, she's like, well, I'm done. And, uh, and so I drove back over. So there wasn't a lot of like the cool elements, but to mark the moment, we actually went to a park right by it and did a photo shoot. There are pictures of Rachel on the day where she became a U.S. citizen. And so since that day, you look at her passport now, it says citizen of the United States. Something, something changed for hers so that it looks the same as mine now. Her citizenship is here. Now, okay, why do I bring, why do I bring that up? Well, it's because today, actually, we are going to be taking a look at a passage of scripture that talks about our citizenship. 
And our citizenship different than like the country that we are a part of, regardless of what country you are a part of. I know that online uh, at all of our sites and venues, there are people from around the country who have citizenships all in different places, different areas of the world. But it's different than that. It's talking about a kingdom that we're a citizen of. If, uh, if you haven't been around here, if you're, you're new to this place, we are, uh, we are continuing in this series where we've been walking through the book of Philippians. This short little book written by the Apostle Paul to this church in Philippi, to believers there. And, uh, and in that book, um, we decided to take 10 weeks to look at that letter together. This is week eight of that series. And last week, uh, Pastor Charles took us through the beginning of chapter three and took us through this portion where it talks about what it looks like for us to be mature Christians. Do you remember that if you were here? The idea of Christian maturity. We're gonna dive in right at the place where he left off and take a look at actually a really short section of scripture that we're gonna unpack just four verses, but to talk about this idea of citizenship. This, This passage we're going to look at, it talks about two very different worlds, two different groups of people, two different, two different identities, two different ways of living in the world. And Paul ties it all up in this idea of where our citizenship lies. So if you've got a Bible with you or however it is that you take in scripture, go ahead and open that up right now to Philippians chapter three. And we're going to start with Philippians three, uh, starting with verse 18. And we're going to dive into that together. Philippians 3, 18, it says this, Paul says, for as often, for I, as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Okay, we got to pause there for a minute because that sounds a, a little strong, doesn't it? I mean, the idea enemies of the cross of Christ, that just, that just sounds kind of intense, like for some of us, we might not believe in Jesus, but we might be going, I'm not, I'm not an enemy of the cross of Christ. Why would he use wording like this? In fact, who is it exactly that Paul is talking about? <laughs> the reality is like when you study this passage, the answer to that is, eh, we don't really know. We don't know exactly who it is that he's talking to in this particular group. Theologians are actually all over the map. Some believe that it's, it's non-believers. Some believe that it's a particular group of non-believers. Some believe that it's people from the church who have strayed from the church. There are all sorts of different ideas. But in actuality, I don't think that it actually matters to the direction it is that we're going. Because when he lays this out, the reality is when I look at the way that he defines it, I realize, man, in my own life, I can have a tendency to move the direction of what it is that he's talking about. And he lays that out actually in the next verse, in verse 19, where he says this. Who are these enemies across the Christ? He says, well, their, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Okay, let's, let's take a look at this for a minute. Paul, Paul says they're... they're their God is their stomach. What does that mean? He's not, talking about, he's not talking about food here. He's not talking about people who are just always focused on food. These are not like today's foodies, 
You know, like the bougie people that will only go to eat at certain restaurants. Maybe you're one of those types of people. You know, I'm good with a Culver's meal. I've been with foodies who are like, no, 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 no. You know, like he's not talking about that type of thing. A better word to be used than food would be the word um, appetite. Their God is their, their appetite. The things, that they, the things that they crave in this world. And he, and he says with this that their, their, their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. These people, the God of their life that they land on, the God who is sitting, the king who is sitting on the throne of their lives goes by the name appetite. It's the things that they, they crave. Now, reality is appetites, when we talk about it as a whole, appetites are actually, they're a good thing, Right? Like we all have appetites. We all have, we all have things in our life that, that we need. Like we could go down the list of things that we need. Like we need, we need food. Food's a good thing. We need, we need shelter. We need security. We need purpose. We need identity. We need relational intimacy. These are all needs that us as human beings, we just, we need and we value in our life. But what he is saying here. The problem comes in when these things become a God for us. In other words, it's like when we, we've talked about this before, when we take a good thing that's a gift from God and we turn it into an ultimate thing, it becomes the thing that is the most important in, their, in our lives, the thing that we run after more than anything else. It's taking a good thing and making it an ultimate thing, trying to have it hold more weight than it actually can in our life, which leaves us in the place of being empty and disappointed. And that's what happens in these places. This is what Paul is saying. And people take it to that place where it says their glory is in their, their glory is in their shame. You know, and in other words, it's like, it's like a person that you see who they look for security. And the way that they look for that is in money. But rather than, rather than just having money, they, became, they, they become someone who, who, who is flaunting their money and always wanting more. Or a person who uh, you could say, who, who rather than, than, than stewarding what it is that they are given when it comes to like power and influence, rather than stewarding power and influence, they become abusing their power and influence at the expense of other people. And they want more. You see, appetites are these things that it just leaves us in this place. We try to fill it and it just, we want more. And that's the way that appetites are. Like when you have a good meal, you walk away and you're full. My guess is you're never saying, man, that was so, I, I don't think I ever have to eat again. You know, because you know that in four or five hours, you're going to be like, all right, what well, we got to eat around here. It's an appetite. It's something that is never fully satisfied. And people can end up making appetites their God. And in that, that's why he says their glory is in their shame. We step into these places where all of a sudden the way that we're acting, they can actually be shameful. It should embarrass us with the ways that we do those things. And what he says here at the beginning is he says that, well, their destiny is destruction if we live this way. When, when our appetites become gods in our lives, the place that it ends up leading us to, when we end up flaunting these things and misusing and abusing them, it leads towards destruction. I mean, let's be honest. I think that we can all think of, of people who we know where some type of craving or appetite that we had became a god in our life, became the most important thing, and it it destroyed areas of our life. 
Like we could think about people who we know who there are, there are relationships that have been destroyed. There are marriages that have been destroyed. There are, there are careers that have been destroyed. Future opportunities that were destroyed because of, man, earthly things that are appetites that become God's. The way, the way that Paul talks about that when we live this way, he said their mind is set on earthly things. In other words, it's the things that we have in our life that are just right in front of it. And we see it and we want it and we grab for it and we crave it. And it becomes so important to us that it has the potential of destroying other areas of our lives. Now, for some of you right now, I mean, you're not just thinking of other people who that's happened to. That's, that's happened for you. And my guess is there would be a lot of us in the room who are there. And you could be feeling bad right now. I just want to say to you, <laughs> welcome to Blackhawk Church. Like, we are so glad that you're here. This is a place where our hope is that you can come and that you can be exactly who you are and that you can find healing in the process of that. But I want you to hear from me. You are accepted being in this place. And I mean, Blackhawks is a church, I mean, with a lot of broken people. There are no perfect people allowed coming through the doors of this place. And if we knew the stories of the people who we're sitting by right now, we might hold our, you know, purse or bag belongings a little bit closer because of the fact that we're just broken people with regrets. And so we're glad that you're here. But Paul points towards something that I think for so many of us, when we really dive into the ideas of what he's talking about, we would go, yep, that's true. And Paul was not saying this, do you notice, from a place of anger, judgment. He's saying this from a place of, of, of hurt, of grieving. I mean, if you look at what he says here, he says that, that I, I tell you these things, I tell you again, even with tears. It's like he's, he's grieving the fact that people could live this way. And the reason why is because Paul knows that there's, he knows there's a better way. And he moves towards that as we go from verses 18 and 19 into verse 20, where he begins by saying this, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is not in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. Okay. But what does that mean? You know, like, what do you think Paul was thinking about when he said this idea, our citizenship is in heaven? Like, when you think about heaven, what comes to mind for you. Like, like, I think, you know, the reason why I think this, I am, um, it's funny, right as I was getting ready to, uh, to, to come up here to sit down to start the service, there, there was a student who I know who came up to me and he and his dad and the student asked me, he's like, hey, I got a question. Like, when we, when we go to heaven, do we just become angels? And I thought, that's a good question. You know, I mean, how many of us wonder about things like that? Because as far as I know, none of us have been to heaven. You know, and, and so we don't know exactly what it's going to be like. And, and I think that for some of us, we get this picture that like, okay, we go, when, when, when we die, we go to heaven. Like we fly away to this place where God is. And that's where we are for all eternity. And we're like in this ethereal place in the clouds where we're like precious moment figurine angels who are playing harps. And that's what the world comes to. I think that for some of us, without even realizing it, that's, that's what we think of because that's what we see sometimes. But I, and look, I just think that in reality, I think that that whole idea is actually when we look at what scripture says as a whole about eternal life in heaven, I think it's incomplete. 
And the reason, and I couldn't get into all of this with this particular student, but I said, hey, just wait, because I'm going to talk about this in my message. Because I think that reality is, scripture has a lot more to say when it talks about eternal life in heaven and earth. It talks more about God coming to us than us going away to him. It talks about, about him coming here. There's actually a great video on this subject for those of you who are Bible Project fans or if you've never checked out Bible Project, just go to YouTube, type in Bible Project, heaven and earth. And, and Tim Mackey, who used to work here, uh, created this short little video that explains this way more than I can. It's about five, six minutes long altogether. But what he talks about is that the way that we need to think about heaven and earth, rather than two different faraway places, is like two different dimensions. And those dimensions, when, 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 we, when the world was the Garden of Eden and everything was perfect, there was no sin that had entered this world, these two dimensions were able to live like in perfect harmony in the same place. In other words, God's space where he is king and there is no sin and human space, earth being human space, heaven being God's space. These two places in perfect relationship with each other. But then human beings, we screwed up and we sinned. And because of that, these two places became separate. No longer to be in perfect alignment because of sin in the world. And so God's desire ever since then, the reason why he sent his son Jesus to come and pay this penalty for the sins that we've committed is so these could one day be in right relationship once again, just like the way that it was at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, a sin-free world where we are in perfect relationship with God, who any of us who have placed our faith in Jesus. That's what we are moving towards. This is the idea of new heaven and new earth. It's the reason why Jesus, when he prayed the Lord's prayer, which so many of us are familiar with, many of us have memorized. It's the reason why he said, your kingdom come. Not, hey, can we go to your kingdom? No, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He is giving us this picture of what we long for someday. This is the idea of heaven that, that we get from scripture. And what Paul says as we continue on in verse 20, as he gives us this picture, we should eagerly await the idea of this taking place, of getting to that place. He says this, and we eagerly, we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Like he says here, as citizens of heaven, we should, we should eagerly await this day of when all of this happens, of when we get to experience like being in the presence of God, in the kingdom of God for all eternity. Okay, like specifically though, what, is that, like, what does that look like? I really don't know. But Paul gives us some ideas, just some suggestions of what that potentially is going to be like. I, I, I think that when it comes to this idea of heaven, I think that sometimes it's kind of fun to look at scripture and to read what we see and to begin to just imagine what that could look like. Like one of the things that Paul says here is that it, Jesus is going to transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Anyone else feel like they have a lowly body? Like, I don't know about you, but I mean, just a moment of honesty. Ever since, I don't know, I think I turned like 30, somewhere around there. For those of you in your 20s, just get ready. 
Because ever since that, like, I've been at that age, I've just felt like, yeah, things are not headed in the right direction. Can I get an amen from anyone in the room? I mean, like when I look at, like when I think about like the injury, like snowboarding injuries or like too much volleyball that I've played. And every time I get up, I wish you could come up and put your hand on my knee and feel the creaking. And like every time I bend, let me just say, I long for my glorious body. You know, and, 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 and here's what it's saying in scripture where he says, like Jesus, like we'll give, have bodies like his glorious body. What we're told in scripture, Jesus dies, raises again from the grave. And when he, get this, when he, when he raises he has a resurrected body, a body that from what we understand from the way that things are said in the gospels to where like people, they recognized him, but not completely. They could miss him if they weren't careful, but he somehow looked different, yet he was the same. What does that mean? I don't know. It says that, but he wasn't just a spirit. We're not just becoming spirits. We're not just floating away like angels. We will be humans. We will have bodies. It says, when we look at the interactions, people touched Jesus after he had resurrected. They were able to embrace him and hug him. He was a human being. He could eat and drink. At the same time, though, think about this. He also had the ability to like appear and then disappear. We're going to have glorious bodies like Jesus. Does that mean I'm gonna, we're going to have the ability to like appear and disappear? I don't know, but I kind of hope so, you know? <laughs> But isn't that cool just to think about for a moment? It also, it also says in this passage, get this. It says that by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Like when, when Jesus returns, not only are we going to have glorified bodies, bodies that don't droop and sag and wrinkle, but he also, he is going to be the king of all things. Like all, think about this, all governments, in authority, like all places that we see authority, no longer in authority because Jesus is in authority of all people. Like reigning perfectly, reigning lovingly, reigning justly, bringing everyone under his control in a world of peace. We get a picture of this. The, the, the prophet Isaiah actually talks about this just a little bit. I love the picture that he gives here in Isaiah chapter two, verse four. He says, he will judge between the nations, listen to this, and settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Like I just, like, this is just an unbelievable picture. I mean, think of the issues that we see with wars taking place in the world. Think of all the stuff taking place in Gaza. Done. Peace. Think of everything that continues to happen in Ukraine that we've seen for years now. Finished. People loving each other. As God just, he, he rules justly and perfectly in the world. All the wars that we don't even know about taking place, all of it done and everyone underneath the authority of perfect, loving, just Jesus. Like, I love the picture that he gives here where he says, he says these words, he, he, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. I mean, the picture that we get here is the weaponry that people use that causes death or like they're going to be turned into tools and instruments that give life. Like, what's that gonna be like? I don't know. The picture I get sometimes is like, like it's like grenade launchers and tanks become like 
the coolest t-shirt guns that you have ever seen on the planet. You know, like those t-shirt guns that they have at the Kohl Center or Camp Randall where it's just t-shirts flying into the crowds. Picture like grenade launchers, incoming! It's just t-shirts everywhere for people from other countries. How cool would that be? Is that what's gonna happen? I don't know, it's kind of a cool idea. But all of a sudden we just get to imagine what's it gonna be like when all things are under the control of Jesus. Think about a world. Why is this all happening? Why does that happen? Because we live in a world where there is no more sin. There is no more hatred. There's no more pride. There's no more bitterness. Like it's a world that is perfect. Think about, I mean, so for all the people who like are in the military, different jobs, because there's no longer going to be need for it anymore. It says no longer will they train for war. Think about all the positions that will be gone. Police, what will they be doing? Oh, something different. Lawyers? Yep, sorry. You know, people, fence makers, making sure that people have lines so that you know where your property lines are that stop with other people's. Yep, sorry. You know, pastors, what am I going to be doing? Like, think about it. If I'm in a room, like giving a message like this, when we're with the Lord and Jesus is preaching next door, who's going to come hear me? You see, things, it's going to be different. And all people living in a world with no sin, I mean, think of a world with no sickness. Doctors, nurses, anesthesiologists, all these different, it won't be needed any longer. We will never need PT because we will be imperfect bodies. Imagine a world where there is no lack. So when it comes to food and supplies, everybody has what they need. And they're just people willing to completely share with each other because we're constantly thinking of other people's needs more than our own. And other people are thinking of our needs more than their own. Like think of a world for a minute, just stop and think about this, a world without mental illness, a world without depression and and anxiety and, and the feelings of loneliness and isolation just gone. See, like when you stop to think about this, do you long for it? It should be something that we look at and go, I cannot wait. But the reality is what it should do for us. This is what Paul is saying is that it's not that we sit here and we go, man, I just long for that someday. I long to be a citizen of that world. That's not what he's saying because he's saying, guess what? You are already citizens of that world. That world doesn't start someday. That actually starts today. He says that if we, if you look back at some of the passage that Charles talked about, talked about right last week at the end of his message, he actually talked about this verse, verse 16, that says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Like in other words, we are already citizens of heaven and we don't realize what it is that we've been given. You know, I am, I heard a podcast um, in the last few months from another pastor that I was listening to. I cannot for the life of me find it, but he told a true story. At least what I heard was that it was a true story of a vacation that he took with his family. He and his wife had uh, been saving up to take his family on a, um, a trip out of the country. And they went to Mexico to go and spend a handful of days on a beach there. But they had had to really scrape and save in order to be able to go on this trip. And they were concerned they weren't going to have enough money to be able to cover the cost, like for you know, a restaurant at the hotel that they were going to be staying at, at the resort. And so what they did, it was kind of creative. They just brought a suitcase full of food. 
you know? And so they packed it with, you know, everything from peanut butter and bread to crackers and granola and energy bars and Pop-Tarts and all of that stuff. So they would get up in the morning and they would have Pop-Tarts and then they would head to the beach, hang out at the beach for the day, come back to their room, eat from the suitcase, go back out and do the things they were gonna do. But the painful part of it was that every time that they went from the ocean back to their room, they had to go by the restaurant of this resort that just looked unbelievable. And you see all kinds of people sitting there looking like they're having amazing time eating incredible food, you know, fresh seafood and steaks and salad bar with everything that you would want, fresh sushi being made and, uh, you know, dessert bar that just looked incredible. And so the day came when they were leaving and heading back home and uh, they were checking out at the hotel and the person who was going through the paperwork with them said, and how was your stay? And, and this pastor, he said, honestly, it was amazing. We love this place so much. We're looking forward to coming back again and we're gonna save up enough to where hopefully we'll be able to eat here at the resort. And the person there looked at them shocked and said, sir, this is an all-inclusive. <laughs> All of that stuff. Yeah, you could have had any of it. 24 seven, anything you wanted. Like all of the food, yeah, it was all yours. You see, I think that sometimes when we just, we end up as Christ followers, thinking of our citizenship happening someday and focusing so much on the earthly things that we see in front of us, it's like we're living in a resort and all-inclusive eating out of a suitcase rather than realizing what it is that we've been given. So how do we check to see if that's the way that we're living our lives? Well, it, actually, it's kind of a diagnostic that we sort of need to take. It's not, it's not too difficult for any of us. When, when you think of it and when you think about, am I, am, I living, am I living for the kingdom of earth or am I living for the kingdom of heaven? It's just asking the question, like, what are the things that I crave? Like, where's my appetite? And here's the thing. In this world, that's really, really difficult because <laughs> this world is what we see. Like we all long for the things of this world in some way because it's new and shiny and it's in front of us and it's what we want. It's what we desire. And so there's an element of that that we need to be able to accept, but we have to be able to look at it and to do that diagnostic in order to see, is that getting out of control? Is it becoming a God for me? We have appetites that are good things, but is it becoming too much? And so like when I look at money, is money something that I have or is it something that I feel like I will never have enough? And you have enough, but I just feel like I always need more. Or like, is it, is it your to-do list? Like I live for my to-do list and the only thing that makes me feel good is, are the things that I get done. And so I live by a checklist and that's the way that I feel like I'm making it in, in life. You could be, yeah, living for the appetites of this world. Or do, am I just looking for power to where every time that I get a promotion or some more type of influence, I grab onto it like it is like the thing for my life and I wrap my fingers around it and I will not let go until I can somehow get a little bit more. You see, I think that if we want to be people who live with the idea of the kingdom of heaven, I think there are two things that we need to do. I think one is we need to be people who control our earthly appetites and who grow our heavenly appetites. It's kind of like this. We, we, uh, you heard the line before you are what you eat. It actually kind of works when it comes to this idea at all. Like the concept that like what we feed, we grow in. And so what, are, what, when you stop to take a diagnostic, what are the things that you are feeding in your life? 
What does it look like to actually feed our, our desire for heaven, our, our reality that we are citizens of the kingdom of God now? Well, the thing is, you guys, like, it feels a little goofy. It's, it's not rocket science. Like, are you spending time in God's word? Just opening up God's word and allowing him to be able to show you more of who he is. Are you spending time in prayer, laying out the things, the desires, the things that you're dealing with in your life before God? Are you spending time with other believers that, that through those relationships, we can experience God by the way that we love other Christ followers? Are you, are you um, are, uh, like all of these things, are you serving anywhere? Because we, we realize that when we serve, when we give, we actually receive more than what it is that we give. You see, like, like these answers, I felt like th this is so cliche to say this, but <laughs> the reality is there's a reason why cliches are cliches. It's just because they're true. And, and so what are those things that we're doing in our lives? You know, one that work, works for me big time, it's worship. Like when I worship, I come into a place. And when I talk about worship, I mean corporate worship with a group of people like this. Like I think about like this past Friday night, I got a chance to go to the Maverick City worship show at the, the Sylvie. It was amazing. And it just reminded me of how much I need to be with other people worshiping God. There's just something that's so important about doing that. And, and, and so uh, it, regardless of what site or what venue it is, there's something that is just so important for us to be able to gather. And let me just say, if you're a person that's online, I know there are all kinds of reasons why people need to watch online. So, but if, if part of the reason for you is just, it's convenient, I just wanna encourage you to come back because there is something powerful that God does in us when we feed that area of worship happening together corporately in rooms like what I'm in right now. I just wanna encourage you, if you can, to be a part of something like this because man, we grow in the areas that we feed. You are what you eat. God's desire is that we would become people who are so, we become so focused in, on, on what it is to come being a part of the kingdom of God, which doesn't just happen someday, it happens today, that it would change us now. But I think there's one other question that Paul would want us to ask. I mean, if he knew there were a group of people in 2023 who were listening to his letter, I think there's something that he would want us to ask. And that is, are you a citizen of heaven? In other words, have you come to the place in your life where you have accepted Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation? Have you realized like that yet because of the sin in our lives that separate us from God this way, there is no way I can live a good enough life to be able to, to reinstate that relationship. And that's why Jesus sent his son to this world because he longed for us to be a part of his family. He wanted to adopt us as his children. So he sent his son to pay the penalty that we could never pay, offering us the free gift of eternal life. And if you've never taken that step, I just want you to consider doing that today. Because see, here's the thing. We, there are a lot of us who could look like Christians. I mean, for many of us, it's like we're sitting in a room right now with all kinds of Christians. You could come to church on a regular basis. You could serve in places. You could give of your money and you might never have taken the step to actually place your faith in Jesus. Like my wife, when, when she was here in the United States, for all those years where she was a British citizen, she looked like an American. You know, she had grown up in Wisconsin. She had a Midwestern accent for crying out loud. She, you know, she had gone to schools here. She, she was a Brewers and a Packers and a Badgers fan. She, everything about her looked like a U.S. citizen, but she had never taken the step. 
You see, you're the only one that can answer that question. Have I placed my faith in Jesus? And if you've never done that, I want to give you a chance to do that today. It's just by simply, you know, placing your faith in Jesus, realizing, yeah, I can't save myself. I'm placing my faith in Jesus, trusting in him for my salvation, receiving this free gift that he offers me. And if you've never done that, you know, I don't think that it's magical words like a prayer or an oath that Rachel had to say to become a U.S. citizen that is the thing that does it. But I think it's good to mark a moment. And you can just, in the quietness of your heart, just simply pray right now, God, I, I know I'm a sinner. <laughs> I, know, I know I can't save myself. And so today I am placing my faith in your son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for paying the penalty for my sins so that I can be adopted into the family of God. I can be a citizen of heaven. Today, I place my faith in you. I give you control of my life. I want you to be the king who sits on the throne of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Look, if you prayed that prayer, <laughs> you got a new passport today. Talks about a different kingdom. Man, we, I just want you to know for us as leaders of the church, we're praying for you. We'd love to be able to pray for you and know that you made this decision. And so regardless of where it is that you're watching right now, if you made that decision, I just wanna ask if you would help us to know that you made this decision by just simply like grabbing your phone at some point and texting the word yes to this number, 608-618-4003. It just simply lets us know that you made the decision. We, we don't know your name. We don't have any of your information. It just lets us know so we can be praying for you. But we'd love to help you get connected. We'd love to answer any questions that you have and help you feel like you are a part of the family of God. And so we'll send you a, a, a form that you can fill out. You can just simply fill out. And I promise one of our people will be in touch and we would love to be able to connect with you and help you see next steps. There is no greater, you all, no greater decision than you can make to place your faith in Jesus and become a part of this citizen of heaven. And so let's be people as a church together who don't just live for that someday, but we live in the benefits of that world today, that it might transform who we are. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus, who opened up a door for us to be citizens of your kingdom. I pray, Father, in the midst of this world that we live in, you would help us to control the desire that we have for earthly things, that they would not become something that becomes a God to us. God, I pray for people in this room who are hurting because they're areas of their lives that have been destroyed by that. Would you help them to know how loved they are by you? You're a God who desires to transform. And, uh, and Father, for all of us, would you help us to be able to be people who even though we are still here right now, that can long for that day when we are fully in relationship with you and to live in the benefits of that world now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people together said.